0: Hello, 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 Hi, hello, Ty. Kristen. Hello, good. Now I can hear you.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. And beast with Ty, you know we had not too with some real gov talk. I don't know what we're gonna be talking about today. We just we just on bum fossil and be a hot mess today. It's gonna be all kinds of things going down different rabbit holes. Hopefully, we give you something tangible to where you can hope and get better. I'm hoping that we can bring some information to you to make us think Um, as we move forward going through this. We're gonna start off with Kristen. What are some things you wanna talk about? I know you're gonna talk about some health. We we had Gov Talk, healthcare already. I don't know what rabbit hole we're going down, but we're gonna go ahead and get started because we we're smart enough to know that we we got some things that kind of riling us up anyway, and we're not having that real talk. We're just gonna call it real talk today. How about yeah. that?
1: Yeah, that works for me. And thanks again for having me on Ty. I appreciate being able to have these kind of conversations and, uh, kind of share perspectives and hear other people's perspectives as well. He's
0: already fired up. Just let y'all know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I just want to, something I, I was contemplating after our last discussion that, um, I feel like our perspective of what government is, how it functions, what it does, uh, I think it's lost in the bureaucracy and politics and all the other things. But um, in 2016, I got my associate or my bachelor's degree in sociology. And I had, we talked about this last time. I kind of hit a moment where it's like, I'm soul searching. I want to do something else, use my degree, work more directly with the public, that kind of thing. And then, so I went to this um, nonprofit organization training and I went to three days. It was in Alaska. And I, during this training, I'm thinking, well, this nonprofit organization would give me great purpose and I'd feel good about what I did. And then, um, I, was, I don't know, you could say it's unfortunate, but, but towards the end of the the conference, um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I want what I want to put my heart and soul into. And then I had this epiphany, I would say from my faith, it was really, you know, my spirit talking to me, but, um, it was a, an epiphany that, Government is the largest nonprofit organization in the world and it has the largest impact. So if I want, should it be, should it be exactly? Well, that's ideally. So, and if I wanted to put my heart and soul into something funny enough, even though it's boring, most of us don't want to talk about it. Government is uh, the, is a good place to put your heart and soul into something uh, if you want to make a great, a great impact with your, your life and your time, now that's not for everybody, for me, because I'm looking for nonprofits and I recognize a government is a nonprofit organization or certainly should be. Um, and then employees who work for the government should ju- feel just as proud and thankful as somebody who works for uh, Red Cross or, or other nonprofit organizations that help people. Because really at the heart and soul of government, Not the outer shell of policy and politics, all those other things, but really is there to help people. Um, If you look at water, you know, we've already talked about that. That's such a daily thing, but we don't need to take it for granted. Uh, You know, that's helping people. And at the end of it, government really is a way for society to be connected and work together in large groups. So and again, I'm looking at government at the heart. It's really a co-op. So we're pooling our resources and we are purchasing services that individuals cannot afford to purchase on their own as an individual. So it's like uh, if I had to pay, and this is in other countries people have to pay for their children's education. If they want them to go to school, there's no public schools. They have to pay for clean water and they also need to pay security guards to stand out and, and hold security over their property. And so that's expensive, which makes it a bigger divide between poor and rich, and really only people with um, money can afford to do that. But because we pool our resources together and we trust the government to use those resources to purchase those services that we intend, such as public education, safety, uh, police officers, that type of thing, water, um, then we can afford these services. And not only that, but everybody can afford it because we've pooled our money together. As opposed to me having to spend 80% of my individual income to just get these necessities met I'm able to you know it's a smaller portion and so um it's really like a co-op we're cooperating with each other and at the heart of it government is a good a good thing but I think you and I talk about boundaries and that's where you start to get into um the not so great part of it which is you know what we're what we're fired up about is is what happens when um
0: when we don't I might as well go ahead and start it off you know, we went down a lot of rabbit holes. We already, we already been discussing some deep thought already on many other levels over the, the few, the years we've known each other. We don't want to, we want to keep this to where you guys don't get in an uproar, but we want you to kind of get a little angry and we want, with a little anger, I don't want you to be bitter we want us to come up with ways to work together and understand whatever label you call yourself, if you're a conservative, you're a liberal, you uh, are a Buddhist or Christian or whatever else. We want us all to be able to come together to be able to work and understand each other and understand each person has a different perspective based on what they've been through And also what they see it in their eyes. Different perspectives and different glasses. And some of us haven't felt the pain of being lack of resources. I don't wanna call it poor because we call it lack of resources versus someone else. Poor in mind is like in thinking grow rich is that lack of abundance that I can't get better than where I'm at right now. We feel like we're stuck. So some of the resources and some of the things that we're gonna talk about today in the real talk is some of the things that fires us up about what's going on in the government sometimes. Christian's gonna bring us a, a, a real aspect of a different side what she saw since she got to get in there deep with them a little bit she got a little dabble she got a little dabble of the poo poo on her she got some of that stink on her so we want to actually understand how can we maneuver better because we know politics is like almost like the mafioso it's almost like mafioso you got to be tough you got to be like uh uh-uh I dare you. I dare you. That's why Obama dropped the mic, you know, at last speech. Boop, dropped the mic. See, that? See he went to his real side. He just went authentic. He said, I'm going out anyway. I might as well, boop, drop the mic. That's what we're doing today. We're dropping the mic. We're going to have some real talk about these different issues, as Kristen talked about, just to start us off with some of these things about the reform, of healthcare. I know some people think it's bad, but let's be honest here. I sell healthcare. I know for a fact that some of the conservatives, Mm -hmm. they actually use it. They use it because they need that credit because healthcare is crazy. If you're 55, 60, 70 years old, a 55 or 60 years old, and you ain't hit that Medicare age of 65, you gonna pay almost house note. There's gonna be at least 800, 900, yeah, easy. So I know for a fact that it benefits everyone on that note. And that's what we're trying to talk about. Some of the things are good, but some of the things, because we're people they get misused. They get misused. I mean, help me out, Kristen. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think um, something I learned recently, thanks to some of the classes I'm taking, but... Uh,
0: she, she knew it before. See, okay, well, I want to... See, she is she getting all that knowledge from the classes. See, I, I tell people education is good because I got a master's degree working on a doctorate but all the education do is hone that gift that's inside you. That's all it does now.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm
0: with Steve Harvey on that one. It just hones your gift. Your education has always been happening in your experiences of learning. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: See, the College of Life, see, I got a fifth degree black belt with a doctorate in life, because I pay attention And I write a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, like somebody I knew once, they said that they graduated from Common Sense University, and that university, those degrees will get you so much further than anything else. And if you don't have a graduate degree from Common Sense University, uh, you're probably not going to get far with any other degree. So I agree with you. The foundation has to Mm -hmm. be there. Those things just add to us. And it's not for everybody. I know people Mm -hmm. who are millionaires and they dropped out. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying
0: 90% of the billionaires uh, don't have education.
1: Right. So it's not for everybody, but for me. Formal education. Yeah. So anyway, so what I recently learned was, the origin of insurance um car insurance health insurance is actually a concept called pooled risk and economic it's a concept too but it's like the east india trading company now hold
0: on before you get too far because they might not know what pooled risk is
1: i'm gonna explain it okay okay go ahead so pooled risk essentially the east india trading company all these ships were sinking uh and it was to the point that it's not really worth it for the people the merchants to send their ships across sea and do all the training because if one wrecks, they don't have any coverage and then they lose their whole life fortune. So what they started to do, and I forget the name, it's a company out of London and they still provided insurance until recently, but maybe they still do, but essentially what they said is like, hey, if you wanna fund some of our trips and we'll share risk, and then they started diversification. So it's like, they're not gonna send both their ships at the same time to the same coast, they're gonna send them in different directions in case there's a storm. But essentially what that allowed them to do is to maintain trading operations because they pooled the risk and that they would pay when a ship sunk, they would help uh, reimburse that merchant and and they didn't lose everything. And so that's really the the health insurance industry and all that kind of stuff. It comes from a pooled risk. And so that's the whole point is that, you know, not everybody needs their health insurance. Some people need it more than others. But if we pool risk and we say we're going to pay this, even though I don't use that much. When I need it, it'll be there. And so that's the concept of health insurance. But um, I was researching and I had to look up, uh, I had to do a report on and research 12 different nations' um, health insurance. And so I think what a lot of people don't know is that health insurance is actually one of the largest things that our government spends money on is health care costs. So 40% of all medical bills are paid by taxpayers through the United States government, 40%. Here's
0: was
1: one. this before Obamacare? This is, yes. It is okay. I just one, of the,
0: it
1: one of the largest. So, and Obamacare was a response to try to mitigate that. Now, we'll talk about, we've talked about this, you and I. Obamacare was trying to address one of the highest costs to taxpayers, which we don't, most of us don't know, is the health insurance costs to taxpayers and how much of our taxpayer dollars' federal income is spent on health insurance. So, That was the first attempt in the United States of somebody actually implementing policy to try to address it. Now, we'll talk about, or maybe we won't talk about how that was implemented, may have had issues. But aside from that, it is, and regardless, it's still a a largest, the largest cost that, one of the largest costs that we spend. And so the interesting thing is that the health insurance market, if you look at economics, Prices should adjust automatically based on what the consumer is willing to pay, right? So that's how you know when your break-even prices and what people will pay. And so the problem with healthcare, who is, is actually
0: that, in control of that? Control. Well,
1: that's the, the people, the consumer are so protected from the cost. Now, I won't say protected because that's kind of insensitive. It's extremely expensive to a lot of us, and not only that, health insurance to employers is incredibly heavy. So. And, and a lot of that goes back to some of the policies that we won't talk about, but I'm just saying that affordable health care did try to reduce the taxpayer burden on health. So insurance. the
0: intentions were good.
1: The intentions were good and they need to happen. But what um, all of that aside is the problem with our healthcare system is that consumers are protected, believe it or not, from the cost of healthcare. So because it's all paid for by a third party, the, the United States government or an insurance company or an employer is paying an insurance company uh, those costs. And so consumers are not allowed to implement supply and demand economics and health insurance. Um, and so, like the Japan system, if you look, and, and none of these systems are perfect that I'm going to talk about. So, I'm not proposing a new healthcare system. I don't have a plan. I just want to talk about some of this stuff. But, like the Japan healthcare system, they publish a manual every year saying this is what doctors can charge for a broken finger. It's twenty-seven dollars for a, you know, a, a broken leg. It's one hundred and fifty. You but know, they published... do that What's that? Well,
0: we kind of do some of that already, right?
1: Well, the federal government because
0: Medicare is the lowest paying. Well, Medicare, private affordable... care is the lowest payer.
1: Affordable healthcare tried to implement something like that. Um, but it's still our healthcare costs are much higher and our results are much lower than most other nations. All of that aside, the problem with the Japan model is that uh, most hospitals are going out of business because it's not sustainable. So it's, it, it also is missing the in, invisible hand of supply and demand and, and the market demands working there. And so, but the other thing is um, I want to say Austria, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the nation, I think it's Austria. Um, But they incentivize health or doctors, healthcare providers, to do a good job and cure people by paying those providers the biggest amount of bonuses every year. So providers in that nation, um, they receive, the millionaire providers are those that cure the most number of patients. So they're incentivized to cure people. Um, Interestingly enough, and I want to say this with a sincere uh, respect for doctors, I have a lot of um, I've worked with a lot of doctors. I have a lot of people who are physicians and work in the healthcare industry. So please know everything I'm saying here is about a system and it's not about people they because
0: they were not The doctors, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we exactly. got, we got the suppliers of equipment. Mm-hmm. We have all these other entities that affect the costs. Like I kind of, you know, alluded to in our conversation earlier. Yeah. You know, I had cousins that were OB doctors that mm-hmm. paid malpractice insurance of 300000 Right. A year.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and so then we look at that. Um, in the 1980s, most hospitals in the United States used to be owned by individual groups of doctors. And then mm-hmm. in the 1980s, they started to kind of buy up all the hospitals and conglomerate, you know, St. Al's, St. St. Alphonsus, St. Luke's, all that kind of stuff. They started to grouped together and then health insurance prices started to kind of skyrocket um all that aside though is that uh what were we oh yes uh the the system in the united states they doctors get paid when they see uh clients so the more people come in the more people they see the more they get paid. And so there's no incentive for them to really, and I'm not saying they're not incentivized. They certainly are. I know a lot of providers, they have good hearts and they do want to cure people. And they're never afraid that there's not enough sick people. I've never heard a doctor say that. So I'm not saying it's functioning this way. I'm just saying it might be better uh, if we readjust how the system is, you know, are there doctor bonuses for doctors who cure people, those type of incentives, how is the system set up? To- well, there's
0: bonuses even for the administrators. The minis- well, it bonuses too.
1: And there are bonuses that uh, doctors will tell you that they care about what doctors they take their kids to. They don't just take their kids to any old doctor. They know not every doctor is the same. And so are the good doctors really being incentivized through receiving higher wages and pay? I don't actually think that they are because the transparency is missing. Now last year, I think, or year and a half ago, they passed legislation that hospitals have to um, publish their costs for so that people could go and cost compare There's not a central website to look at that. They just individually publish it, but there's just some basic economic principles missing in the health system so that we can't have consumer supply and demand. We can't, you know, now we can, if, if you have time and you need a heart surgery, you can find out where in the nation has, you know, the cheapest heart surgery. Now, quality is a different uh, a thing, but not all doctors are built the same. And I don't know that we're really incentivizing good doctors.
0: Well, I don't think I don't think we ascend if we really, you know, deep dive into other industries, I don't feel as though that, you know, we have high cost of food, high cost of goods and services that is very high. It's like the person I can't even remember the guy's name, who actually took his salary and said, I don't need a million dollars or $2 million a year. I think he was in Washington.
2: Mm -hmm, I agree. And
0: he dispersed it out to everyone because of the disparity between salaries, especially when the big cheeses, uh, you know, we talk about the hospital system, are getting X amount of dollars and the little cheeses who's doing all the work down there, because I used to work in the hospital setting, they wanted to cut how much we were getting as far as pay raises. Even though it was like maybe 75 cents or a dollar an hour, they wanted to cut us so that they could build more hospitals or expand. I don't want to call out, well, I'm not, I don't want to call them out, but what they want to do is cut our little five percent pay raise so that they can expand. But the big cheeses were still getting their incentivized uh, big salaries and bonuses and perks and whatever else. But they want to cut us, the little guys, who was the worker bees, the nurses, the techs, and. Um, yeah. You you got you gotta be cut the three percent. Now wait a minute. I ain't getting about a five mm-hmm. percent. I just want my little seventy-five cent pay raises I usually get now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Fine. Well you're so, hitting on. I hope you don't mind. I'd like to go off on another tangent, a different one, but uh that's oh, another. You got
0: another you got another one for us. Maybe now, hang yeah. on. let's finish that thought first. Let's finish that thought on that other one first before we get on a tangent. I just wanted to add that in there. Mm -hmm. That all industries, I want to make sure we're not picking on one industry. All industries, sometimes it seems like there's a disparity between affordable living wages, just like we talked about affordable health insurance. Now, go ahead, Kristen. Go ahead, Kristen.
1: No, I kind of said most of the stuff I want to say, other than there is a point where we have to be cognizant and and appreciate that hospitals are around and available because there's a lot of rural areas losing their hospitals. And that is a critical issue in the United States.
0: Doctors going out
1: of business, too. Yes. And so that is a highly critical issue. So we need to be thankful, appreciate those industries. But, you know, work on how how can we reform so it's more economically sound. There Um, you go and not even policy, like where are the economic mechanisms here and there's some missing and they've been buffered out. Um, all that aside, I think going into the discussion of income inequality, I would love to see government, um, tax reductions for awarding, um, like employee owned businesses like Winco, I'll just say that name. Mm -hmm. Hopefully this is good press, not bad for them, but, um, I love that company. They're, they're, oh, I
0: love employee, employee owned business because now you feel a part of the company.
1: Well, not only that, but I've had even the people cleaning the floor in, in Winco are happy. Not even kidding. They're the nicest, happiest. Like, they'll, they be own it. they'll be sweeping and they're like, Can I help you find something? They want the customers to be happy. That's awesome. Which is, P.S., PS, the government should be employee owned. We are, we are supposed to be those people. It's our money anyway. Yeah, exactly. But that aside, it's like those companies that have chosen to, to not have high income in dispar- disparity in their ranks, they should be rewarded by the government because they're helping to close the income gap. And secondly, if you look at a company, the government- Isn't that just doing... a
0: cultural thing? What's that? Isn't that just, sorry to interrupt, isn't that just a cultural thing?
1: Which part of it? What do you mean?
0: How they want to help you Versus sometime in uh, our culture that we see in uh, various different cultures of the government and whatever else, sometimes they don't want to help you. Isn't that the cultural thing?
1: You know what? It does honestly come back down to ownership. And you talk about Mm -hmm. the psychology of ownership. I recommend anybody getting out there to do some research on ownership. And even property ownership is so essential for healthy uh, citizens and healthy families and I'm not saying if you don't own property, you're unhealthy. I'm just saying there are psychological benefits to the stability of property. And so when we take ownership in something, we have stability, we're interested in it. And so um, if a government has not been founded to work for the people and, and we pay for this government. So honestly, if our government's doing what it's supposed to, and in some areas it is, and in especially a lot of local areas, Um, We should be proud as taxpayers. We should know when we pay taxes, that's just as good sometimes as donating to nonprofit organizations. And so our government has been founded to, I'm not talking about issues. Of course, there's historical issues, but it's been founded to work for the people. And so other governments that don't have that foundation principle of we we the people, um, yeah, they're not gonna have ownership. So what's the point of them taking you know, initiative to try to bring in goodness because they don't own it. Um, They don't have, or they don't have rights. They only have responsibilities. And so that's what socialism is. It's all ability without rights. Um, And that's over. It's too big of a government. You and I have talked about government size, but yes, I don't don't own my neighbor's house. I I do care what their yard looks like, but I'm not going to go clean it for them. You know what I mean? So, but but if I- Yeah, but
0: I don't like it. I don't like all these big weeds. It's kind of, I'm not telling people. Now, that's because you got, you jumped on my, dust, my pet peeve. <laughs> I am not saying that you got to be Martha Stewart, but at least cut your grass. Now, y'all know who I'm talking to. That neighbor, that, because I got some. If you, that person, you don't even cut your grass. You got weeds tall as Kristen, four feet tall. Come on now. Come on now. What does I'm that fine. say? What does that say? What does that say about, she said she's... she had to clarify she's not four feet. She five feet. Okay. Okay. I seen some weeds tall as Kristen, five feet tall. I've seen some tall as me. When I walk past your yard, that means that's kind of that lets me know that you 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 something's going on inside you where you can't see all these weeds going on. I mean, just knock them down. I don't care if you take a hacksaw and just knock them down. Take out your frustration, depression, whatever going on in your system. Just go ahead and just just. Man, I'll come over there and help you cut it down. If you tell me I cut down some stuff, I'll probably release some of my frustration because I got a good chainsaw and I got a good, just butcher it up. I'll butcher it. At least it'll be knocked down so it won't be so tall. That's what happens sometimes in our culture. We allow things to get out of hand versus having those conversations kind of like what we have in here today. She touched on one of my pet peeves. You don't have to be Martha Stewart, but at least roll the grass over the weeds. Roll that lawnmower over your weeds so they don't get five feet tall.
1: You know, um, yeah, and if I think we'd all probably have, uh, have some really tall weeds, we'd need to go do some maintenance. It
0: stars everywhere, everywhere.
1: Yeah, but but back to I think why don't we shape policies to really. Benefit the private businesses. Who the are, benefit private businesses who are paying their um, employees well, and there's not a huge pay gap between the top CEOs and the bottom paid person in the company. Those companies should should receive tax benefits because they're being, um, well, they're just helping raise the wealth of the nation and, and people. And so that reduces the burden on the government. And so Again, that's just my napkin policy idea, but it's like those companies really should be celebrated. And
0: mm. yeah. And the thing is, is that when I think about that, it goes back to our basic microeconomy. It goes back to how we're taking care of our own homes, how we're taking care of the basic things that goes on inside us then we're able to take ourselves to work and actually define our best self,
2: mm-hmm.
0: our best version. When we when we come home and you didn't make your bed like the Admiral talked about, I can't even think of his name, but you know that one that gave the speech at uh, uh the Navy SEALs thing, the Admiral, he said, make your bed. He said, even if you start off with that one thing, Good. When you come home, you at least say, I made my bed. I made my bed. I did something today so that I don't come home and got to go lay in a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And that's what the same thing with the yard. You see that yard and we allow things to happen. We don't stand up And say something's wrong. It's the same thing in government. We don't stand up. We just sit back and we put our pacifier in our mouth like this. Where you love pacifier? You gotta stop sucking your thumb. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna take care of that stuff for us. We gotta. We gotta talk about it. We gotta have that conversation. Versus, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is. Well, ain't nothing I could do. You know how many people it took to start the American Revolution? It was 73 people. They started up a revolution. I'm not telling y'all to be no Trumpers or anything like that, so cut that out. I'm talking about having conversations and coming up with good sound solutions so that we can take action daily. But I think Mm -hmm. it starts in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in that macro economy. Yeah, When we start gathering together and starting to work together again.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And a lot of times we don't. Everybody just, okay, that's your business. You got a raggedy yard? You got a raggedy yard, girl. Girl, why you got that raggedy yard over there? I'm looking out the window now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what I'm saying is, the thing is is that we don't don't like call them out. You know, I call them out. I be talking loud because I want to make sure they hear me. But the thing is we have to go tell them, hey, can you at least make our neighborhood look better? Mm -hmm. We ain't trying to have no regular neighborhood. Now, you ain't got to have a lot. My dad said, you can live in a trailer. At least wash your underwear.
1: See, this is something I want to talk about. I had uh, somebody who listened to the podcast the last one we did, and they said, oh, you know, I heard this other thing, and they sent me a YouTube video about somebody with kind of similar discussions you and I are having, but they're running for governor of California. They're running for governor of California. I okay. Didn't, here's the fair disclosure is that I look up the video. It was sent to me and I can share it with you. But what I find uh, interesting is that. Oh, are right trying now, to say you
0: try to copy them?
1: Oh, no. What I'm trying oh. to say is that uh, the issue with our society and how we look at government and how we just generally have been seeing things as me, myself, as a citizen, and other citizens is we're waiting for a hero. Hmm. We want that hero to come and fix it. So who's, yeah, and exactly. And so they're, they're tearing t t-shirt and looking at the S on their chest and saying, I've got all the answers. But the problem is, is that actually, yeah, that actually is stealing our authority and power as citizens when we sit down and we wait for someone to come along and fix it. That's a problem. Is, we don't need a hero and there's no- Is people. that a lack
0: of purpose?
1: It could be a lack of purpose, a lack of acknowledgement for your own authority over yourself. Like you said, we got to stand up and it does take some hard work. And I'm talking about myself here, but.
0: Yeah, we talk about us too, because we have to know our gifts.
1: Right. And we need to stop looking for a hero and we need to start working with what's around us. Uh, You know, yeah. Kristen is
0: our hero today. Kristen is our hero today. I wouldn't tell her that, that she's our hero. She don't believe that, that she's a superwoman or a lioness. I have to fire her up sometimes. She always passionate about this stuff on the attack. As we become more tactful, we have to realize what our gifts are. Allow school to hone your gift, but they can't take your gift from you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? I just want to inject that real quick. Yeah,
1: okay. but all I'm saying is that each of us um what is one person what can they do and i think of it like horsepower i don't hear any uh car companies which my husband is very much into vehicles i think he anyway i won't talk about how much he likes cars but he has a great appreciation for fine cars of all ages i love
0: cars too now
1: yeah and he's a mechanic i went
0: to the meckham uh the barrett's uh uh show yeah whoo so,
1: But I have never once heard an advertisement for a a single horsepower car. And so I really think power should be looked at the same way. One person, what can they do? I'm telling you, they don't have a lot of power. But when we come together and a a lot of us come and bring our own power and agree and use it together to work on issues where we do agree, we don't agree on everything. That's impossible. But what do we agree on? What can we come together and work on? And then, you know. So I'm just saying, we got to stop looking for a hero. We got to stand up and we got to start doing the work that needs to be done around us and just have that kind of take time to educate ourselves on. Um, they look this way in a quick 10 minute look and I think I spent an hour and a half, maybe it was probably six hours total looking into healthcare for different countries. And that was helpful. And so it really, it isn't hard, especially with the internet to kind of educate ourselves on, well, what is this? And just like Afghanistan, you and I talked about that that we can go educate ourselves on and we we've talked about this as well but we can't trust the media to educate us anymore we really need to become self-educators and provides and be thankful where the government does provide accountability go read those documents watch those videos
0: they know if they're listening to this podcast you know i've told them sometimes too much dosing of the news is like eating a whole bag full of cookies at once Uh I don't think we need to dose ourselves with the news. Sometimes we need to quiet the noise and have deep thoughts with ourselves because you are your own hero. This is Mm -hmm. your story. And as this is your story, you can create the hero because you're it. You get allowed to develop the villains because you create that fear and most of the time, that's what it is. It's fear that holds us back from being ourselves. We're so mm-hmm. afraid, we're, like, covered up all the time because mm-hmm. we're so afraid to be free. Right. We, we, we can't be... Our, I know they talk about books about authenticity and being authentic, but you really can't be authentic. In this day, in in our society... We can't be authentic because someone's going to judge you or criticize you saying that someone's platform or whatever else. I don't even have no notes in front of me right now. (laughs) And I don't watch the news hardly, maybe about 10 minutes, five minutes a day or something. So I don't even get all that. But I'm smart enough to know that I've lived life and made a lot of notes myself because I feel as though your own story is your book. Your story, I need to read Kristen's story. That's the best books. I know that y'all think that these authors, you think they're so great, this and that. You can write your own story too. You got a book inside you. You got a story. All they telling you, I was crazy. I was a hot mess. And guess what you like? Oh, that, that was a good book. That was such the best book in the world. Had me over here crying. And those movies, the same thing. I said, man, I'm about to get me on a movie. I'm about to get me on a movie. I started the podcast. I got people listening, running in my mouth. Now it's time for me to finish my book, finish that story, and just get it out there. Mm-hmm just get
1: yeah. up well Not and I think it that goes back down to the narrative of people we've allowed people we me have allowed people all of us up and, all of us and say I'll do this for you you can't do this uh, policies are complicated so I'll do this for you you don't understand this it's complicated you're you know yeah. I'll do this for you and I think what's happened there is that uh, we've sacrificed some of our power we forfeit it like you said, learning those kind of things, right? Own story. So I think it's just time to take back uh, our power, our ability to learn. And I have some, this is probably strange advice, but I, I tell my kids this. And um, so I'm interested in physics, even though that's a complex, you know, it's a complex topics and astrophysics. I haven't studied physics, but um, I love physics. I love the, the science of it, all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, but what I've told my kids is that when I first stepped up to the plate of physics, and a lot of people might look at politics this way or the government uh, is this complex thing, but I've, I've learned that this, this thing we have inside of our head, this brain, um, if, you, if you expose it to information, even if it's way over your head and you don't understand, just start small, taking little bites The more you put in there, eventually your brain will do the work of making the connections and it will start to make sense to you. So I started learning physics from documentaries and then I started learning from books and podcasts and then you start, you know what I mean? And then the more I kind of expose myself, the more I learned how to speak that language of, of physics. And, um, even I have a good book. This is really nerdy, but I just have to admire this author and just say he's a good author, but it's Clifford Pickover. He's, he writes science books, and I have almost every book he's written, but he's got an intro to physics book. So you can start now. There's all kinds of different. Same thing with government is we just ex- start exposing ourselves to the information. Eventually, we will start to speak government, and then we will be more effective citizens. And so I think we just have to take back that narrative, even if it seems complicated, I promise the more you expose your brain to it, it will just start to make sense. And so don't underestimate- It's going to help that.
0: you with Alzheimer's. It's going to don't, help you with Alzheimer's. So make sure you yeah. use that thinker.
1: Yeah. Use that thinker. Don't underestimate your brain. Uh, if people mm-hmm. are telling you you're not wise or smart enough, that's not the population we need. We need a population of citizens who are strong, intelligent, independent, creative. Like mm-hmm. That's what makes our nation strong. And so if anybody's trying to tell you you don't know how to think or you can't understand something- you need to exactly ignore those people, especially if they're trying to give it to you in a chewed up form. Just like, please excuse, no judgment. I'm trying not to judge individuals, but the news. And we have to stop slapping simplified labels on things and look at what the complexities of them are. And um, just like you and I have discussed before, but we have to stop voting for colors. That's highly simple, simplistic. It's easy to step up to our our ballot if we are voting and please start voting even if you don't understand it your brain will learn that language but but try not to vote for colors anymore because uh the complexities happening behind those colors may not even match what you think you're voting for
0: i, I just believe you just vote for the best person with the best character that you feel as though that's going to help our community and our society
2: mm-hmm.
0: i can care less of what democrat you know republican or whatever else as long as I feel as though that during that season
2: Mm
0: -hmm. of time certain people fit better during that season of history I believe people are in your life for a reason and therefore a season Mm -hmm. and with that said all the time we can't bring along our old childhood people because they're not in that season at that time. We got to let them go. They got to go. It's the same thing with the old ideologies, the old, we have to adapt. We got to be able to dance. We got to be able to move through life and just, you know, be able to, you know, shake it off. You know, I love shake it off. You know, that's my one of my favorite songs. And she just said the old version is dead. See, that, that's what we got to do. We got to let go of them old ideologies. And I'm gonna go to Yoda. You know, y'all know I don't talk about Yoda. Y'all know that now. You got to unlearn what you learned. Now I'm gonna go one more deeper. Now I know you guys, we ain't Holy Ghost y'all today. But we're gonna we gonna say it. You got to renew your man. Not in the world. See, see, not in and of the world, cause you ain't of the world. We gotta renew it. A renewing is being new, mm-hmm. killing that old version. Mm-hmm. See, I had to break that down to you. I ain't trying to holy ghost girl. I still like beer. And I still like to have a little whiskey every now and then. So I ain't no prep pastor. Mm -hmm. But I do believe in the higher power of God. I do. As you believe in the higher power, whoever you believe in, what it is, we got to renew all them brain cells up there. Wash our face. You know, wash that face. Wash all that off of y'all from yesterday and years ago. Wash your face. Just do a mental washing. I have to do that every morning because you're getting ready to go out there and deal with the public. You're going to deal with the public. You better have your force fields. You better be ready because they're going to throw stones.
1: So that goes back to like having mental flexibility. And Mm -hmm. I I just, I'll try not to be too nerdy on this, but it's probably too late. Um, so, our, a mental shortcut is something that's interesting concept. It's called heuristics and it's really, um, a critical thing for us to be successful as people. Heuristics, mental heuristics are what allows us to get out of bed in the morning and not spend three hours or the whole day trying to figure out, well, what exact mechanisms allowed my feet to touch the ground and allowed me to walk? Our brain takes a mental shortcut and says it's muscles so that we don't have to spend all day thinking about the little things, right? That's a heuristic. But the problem is, so those are good. We want to save time. But what our brain starts to do is, it starts to try to take shortcuts or heuristics on complex things like people, human beings, underestimating ourselves, other people, um, or even political, social situations. We want to take those shortcuts, those heuristics. But I'm just here to say, I think it's time to develop that muscle. I'm um, saying oh, appropriate to take it. I think. That, Shortcut, uh, educating ourselves Why do we on what's take shortcuts?
0: On. Why we like taking shortcuts?
1: Allows us to not focus or spend so much energy, but we overtake shortcuts. Just like late hmm. blue, this, this is red, so that that is it's complex and just like history. Uh, the, do you I have, think we want
0: to be what, liked?
1: Well, sure. Yeah, yeah I would. Say that's Um, and fit mm it scientifically it takes one person to say i have a
0: but they're gonna talk about more more people they're gonna talk about me
1: right so if you're the person that stands up and statistically many many other people have a problem with that thing but they're just not this is where we don't want to be sheeple (laughs) to overuse that but it is time to stand up and start and asking questions and we can be respectful. We can be respectful that we're that we're having questions for and questions in the most respectful way to um won't say stand up against something to do to make someone justify where did you get that from or why are you doing that and so it's respectful to ask questions of anybody in a certain position uh should oh. And have, and have the ability, the ability to justify, justify whatever they're, they're doing through your, which I've seen in public, public arenas, especially shut people, shut people, and then uh, and then it, you know the conversation stops. And so, if you're a genuine authority and you have legitimate information and you have good reasons and you should be able to justify and uh, defend why you're doing something and why that policy stands to reason and if holes are found then each of us just like the bible verse each person let nobody be master among you but each person be held accountable one unto another so we should be able to hold each other accountable and say yeah you're right that was a weakness in my perspective or in this policy and change so um
0: well, remember hold yourself accountable <laughs> Remember, hold yourself accountable too, right? Because a lot Mm -hmm. of times we're good at. See, I tell people the toughest person you have to lead is yourself. John Maxwell tells people that he said, The toughest person I have to lead is me. Because I'm good at pointing the finger and telling people what they should be doing. And I'm going over here having a party, doing whatever I want to. You know, that old saying, what it said, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Now, I thought that was the most silliest saying on the man. You do as I say, not as I do. Now, we tend to mimic what people do. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I thought, I, I mean, I, I could care less what you just said, but if I see you go over there, you supposed to be my doctor, you over there smoking cigarettes and Having a good time. I'm there like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> mm-hmm. but well, and that,
1: that's that another. was the
0: most silly saying on the man. That I was have,
1: very
0: that was very silly.
1: I have a saying that I heard from this old old crusty Sergeant Major. I've talked about. I'm a veteran, and so when we when we landed in Iraq, uh, this old Sergeant Major Taylor, we got into this big auditorium and uh he's an old crusty star major totally different generation than than don't be
0: crusty don't be crusty out there yeah
1: but we got in this auditorium you know we just landed and it's a combat zone and so you're getting what you expect in a combat zone uh and so we're sitting in this auditorium he says uh he says are you scared and and I'm thinking, well, maybe a little, but you know, aside from that, he said, don't worry. It's the planet earth. Nobody gets out alive. But the second thing he said is that, um, a plan had changed. He said, the army doesn't lie. The truth just changes daily, but there's so much truth in that statement is that we have to have the mental flexibility to recognize that what we know is true today may change with more information tomorrow. And especially as we go out to educate ourselves as citizens, me, the truth may change, and that's going to require washing our face, like you said, renewing our mind and being prepared to accept that we were unaware of the truth. And, and the initial, this is from social psychology, but the initial reaction of people to information that's outside they know is to reject it. And so even if your initial instinct is to reject information that you're learning or listening to, give yourself another opportunity to provide the broader perspective. Uh, And then, you know, maybe it is, maybe there is some truth in there. Maybe not all of it's true, but it's like that, um, that initial instinct of awareness. So just allow yourself knowing that that's the initial reaction. That's normal. But uh, that's part of the learning process is being able to know that the truth may change.
0: That's right. Because a lot of times we can't handle the true truth. It's kind of like what old Jack talks about. You can't handle the truth. The reason why that's so popular saying is it's kind of true. You know, they talk about the truth to set you free and this and that. But a lot of times we, you know, we we do this. We cover up because of the fact we don't want everybody to know our business. We don't want everybody to know our little business out there. You know, I tell people, everybody got some, some history that we don't want to tell other people. We all do. Hot mess moments, crazy moments, stuff you don't want people to know about. But see, that's how they make those movies. They just decided, let them know. Just let it go. They just let you know. That's why you over there crying. It's all relatable, and you over there like, this. <laughs> you sucking your thumb because you like, oh, that was me." Because. Because it's relatable because what they did was they made this movie on Lifetime, or I just watched a good one on Lifetime by the Army uh, female uh, sergeant. Well, she was handling business. She had to tell them that, let me tell you who's in charge. I like that. But anyway, going back to my thought, what happened is. They just telling their true story and they don't care who is watching because there's somebody out there that got the same story, the same exact story from deployment back home, how, you know, well, shoot, I ain't got no man or whatever. I'm going to find me somebody. So the thing is, is that we don't want to tell nobody that, you know, we just was, You know, whatever. We don't want to get down to that, but that's our nature. We can't help ourselves. And it's okay because all of us done been in that crazy moment, done been in the cuckoo side, and it's just our human nature. But we don't want to tell that, being authentic of handling the truth because we don't want to share that story. That's why all those books are written inside of us and we don't want to share with the world because somebody's going to come along and say, what well, a governor, who did you say somebody was talking about, talking about what you said?
1: Oh, uh somebody running for governor of California.
0: Okay. He was talking about the same thing you were talking about?
1: She was, yeah. I didn't listen oh. to the, the thing yet, but I should. Guilty of admittance there, but yeah.
0: That's okay. I didn't listen to it either. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> so the thing is, now I'm going to have to
0: Google that to see what they're talking about. Because remember, these podcasts are to get out a message in which you probably thinking about, you're just not having conversations. Mm-hmm. We want to raise awareness and get you to thinking using those brain cells i want you to burn all those boxes take your thumb out your mouth because i was sucking my thumb for quite a while take your thumb out of your mouth and tell it what you're feeling but tell it in a manner of love Mm -hmm. and just go ahead
1: well no it's interesting because i've a lot of conversations i had um with citizens when i was working for the city in a mayor's office Interestingly enough, citizens' intuition, their instinct, that common sense universe, mm-hmm. they're actually spot on. What's funny is most of the time citizens would come in and say, well, you need to do this and this and this. And the funny thing is the city had already been doing it. And so, but I appreciated that they came in to ask the questions, but that almost reinforced that citizens, their their perspectives, their rights, even if they are not plugged in, they don't know mm-hmm. about politics, all that kind of stuff. They're not that far off and you still have valid perspectives. And so um, I don't know if that is on what you were saying, but it's the point that, you know, don't be afraid to go in there and and your common sense is going to buy you more than what you think. It's worth more than what, you, what you've what you been told or been encouraged to participate. So don't be afraid to get in there.
0: Because remember, history is not real. We talked about that last time. History is not real. We're going to leave out some truths. We got to live it out. Mm-hmm. We don't want the kids we don't want all our kids to know I love dirt. That's the reason why that one movie, you know, with Mel Gibson, I think it was, you know, he was able to read what women thought. He was like, "Oh my goodness Ooh. So sometimes you don't want to even know all that stuff. You like, uh-oh, uh-uh. That's why I always ask people, would you rather read the minds of people or animals? I rather read the minds of animals. Because I have me a good time. Mm-hmm. That animals probably tell us all kinds of stuff. What's yeah. going on in the house? Did you know she just walks around and she ain't got no clothes on in the afternoon? She just walked around with no clothes on, she freeburdened. <laughs> you like, why he telling my business, the old crazy cat? Why he in there telling my business? I bet your cat's got some good stories. They be like, yeah, she just run around all naked all the time. She you just don't realize she tried to be all sophisticated. She crazy. But mm-hmm. whatever, he crazy. That's the reason why sometimes you can't handle all that. And that's why sometimes, you know, especially with our social media. We know too much too fast. Whereas back in the day, we didn't know all this stuff. We want we didn't have access to information in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Hey, Siri, tell me the age of such and such. See, It just went off. See, see Siri's paying attention. See, my phone, look at her. She's like, uh-oh, he, he calling me up. I see, I use Siri a lot. See, we didn't used to have that information. We used to get it. Used to get it. See, see, see. Look at that. It, the, the, the thing is going off right now. Look at. I got to call. Calm her down. I got like to call. Nobody. <laughs> see, see, oh, that's funny. So that's the thing. Siri is on point. Siri is ready to go. Or Alexa. I know some of y'all are the enemies out there. You Google the enemies, y'all, I love Google, don't get me wrong, but you got the enemy phone, but anyway, but anyway, that just, that just means just bothering people, you know, I do that all the time, but uh, as I tell people that, the problem is, is that we can't handle that deep thought, even with, you know, even with your spouse, or even with your kids, when they tell you something real, you like, what you say? Mm -hmm. you like looking at them like this instead of saying oh okay why are you thinking that way Mm -hmm. see we got to wash our face we got to become two-year-olds again i'm not talking about acting like a two-year-old i'm talking about that innocence Mm
2: -hmm. since
0: y'all don't some of y'all don't understand some of us don't understand what washing the face or renewing the mind means i want to break that down That's becoming to our innocence before we got all this uh, worldly stuff on us. Oh, I'm a this. I'm a that. They didn't know that it was a conservative. They didn't know they was a a Democrat. They didn't know they was an independent. They didn't know that they were a certain color. They didn't know none of that stuff, too. They just was having fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: they was trying to enjoy life and everybody just get hugs and kisses and that's it we get all dilapidated or bum-fussled that is a word bum-fussled is a word we had that just on our classes t- the other day we get all r- razzled by an, and enamored by all these different things going on, almost like a cat when you toy at them, they're over there. Okay, what's next? What's next? And then see the cat don't the cat don't. One good thing about cats, they don't care what you think. That's one thing I do like about cats. Cats don't care what you, I'm gonna do me. Mm-hmm. We don't understand that if we do us and intentionally love each other, yeah, I went back to the, you know, I went back to that, that big book, the real book, the big book. If we love each other, we would be so much better off. See, I love you. I love you. What it is is that we're so afraid of, well, you know, we're so afraid. we like, I'm nervous. Why? Why are you nervous? Be that two-year-old self again. I mean, that one that's just innocent,
2: mm-hmm. that
0: don't have all this corruption and all that new stuff. It makes our brain go like this, up and down, up and down, up and down. Up and down, up and down, up and down. And then you wonder why we have depression, we have anxiety, we have all these fears. And also in that big book, it talks about fears 365 times. I'll say that one more time, make sure y'all understand that. 365 times is mentioned in that magical book.
1: So it's funny you talk about not having fear, being vulnerable, telling the truth. And so I've been sitting here arguing with myself about something I think I need to talk about. Arguing about something I think I need to talk about, but uh, it's kind of difficult to admit. It is not the best truth. Um, But the truth is, is that at some point in my un- under uh under information fed self socialism seemed like a good idea socialism seemed like a good idea and and then unfortunately or fortunately i don't know what to call it and i think a lot of people on here would be like outraged how could you even think this is a good idea and other people would be outraged how could you even think it's not a good idea we want to help everybody well well, let's
0: actually let's actually break it down real quick uh I don't I don't feel as though that we should call it socialism cuz socialism is a dirty word. I think it should be just human love.
2: Yeah, because but- what
0: you're doing is if you got so much and you can help your fellow man and brother and we can help our community even be better, we can't like René Brown said, we cannot be happy when we watch our fellow brothers and sisters in pain and suffering,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you can't, you can't see that on TV, on the news. And then you feel good. Yeah. You can't feel good because it touched your spirit.
1: Mm -hmm. So those are the good things that you and I, that I agree with that makes people, I think people with a good heart attracted to the concept of socialism, but the issue is, is it's not the government's job to provide that. It's us as neighbors. So if you take those responsibilities off of the people and you put it on the government.
0: We it's, the people.
1: Right. It's, that is where socialism has failed every time. And we've talked about everybody always when they talk about socialism working in Denmark and Sweden and Norway, what they don't talk about is those have free market economies. Those what we call socialist countries have free market economies. The problem with socialism is it takes away which, what the are, while our economic system needs boundaries, everything needs boundaries to be healthy, and there's some missing boundaries. Aside from all that, a healthy economic system is based on desires, supply, and demand. What other system is going to be created where it's naturally what they call the invisible hand? The market adjusts automatically to what people want and don't want, it fixes itself, it's auto correcting that is a beautiful system what socialism does is it centralizes the decisions and the control and it gives everybody um responsibility over rights because then you're now as everybody we're responsible for feeding everybody and you can look at venezuela and a lot of other countries but to be honest that's that can't be put in the government's lap to provide all those services now of course social. um we talk about some of the, the what's some of the reform?
0: cons of some of the socialism because that's going to be our that's going to be a main reason why people don't like socialism
1: well okay let's talk about our government capability um people who want socialism in the united states they don't understand how little our government is even facilitated to respond if we don't have accountability now with the percent of taxes some Most people pay 14% taxes. Some people pay up to 37% in the higher brackets. Um, Taxes, regardless, if we don't have accountability in the minimal taxes or whatever they're taxing now, however you want to label it, what makes you think that they can responsibly handle 90% more of your money and, and do a good job with it? We don't even have the infrastructure to implement socialism, let alone the accountability. And it ends very ugly because what it does is take away freedom. Uh, and a free market is what feeds everybody the most. honestly, a healthy economy is what feeds people now. We've talked about needed balance, who we're going to reward, what businesses deserve tax breaks. you know those ones that are doing the right thing, they deserve tax breaks if they're paying their employees well, if they're all those things. So we do need to implement some balance and some um, stability in some areas that have been, gone missing, which have caused people to go the extreme and want socialism. but, When you're taking that control and you're putting it on the government, what you have is like every other nation who's implemented socialism. Like in Venezuela, they had one of the, and most people know this, but they had one of the top producing economies in the world. And you can go now, there's this, um, oh, it's an Amazon show. It's called something most dangerous uh, roads of, anyway, that you can travel. Long story short, is it?
2: Ice road truck. No, it's
1: not ice road truckers. It's like uh, dancing with, death or dicing with death something like that it's about dangerous roads in the world there's an episode on venezuela and it follows these um people who are having to get gas across from from another nation and smuggle it into venezuela because the market the economic collapse and so anyway long story short it just uh and if you look at the chinese communism when it was implemented millions and millions of people died because the invisible hand went missing and and no longer do people get to do what they want to do, but there's obligations and the government's trying to impact resources, but it's not efficient. And there's no government in the world that can active, in, effectively close down a free market and implement socialism and do it well. In our countries, certainly like Denmark, Sweden, Norway, those countries, those citizens have decided that's what they want and their government has the capacity to do it. We're not even close. And you cannot implement something like that in the United States without that type of government infrastructure and the will of the people. It turns ugly every single time. Millions of people have died. We're talking about starvation, a collapse of the system. And right now, um, this is a beautiful thing and and a healthy economy can feed the most people. So Krugman and Wells is the book I read for economics and they've won Nobel prizes, things like that. And, And about the first three paragraphs of that book, uh, really kind of disprove. And I, I, can't help but think what are economists thinking when when they hear politicians honestly proposing socialism what are economists thinking it must be like oppenheimer watching the nuclear bomb explode as a physicist and thinking now i have become death the destroyer of worlds and that was a quote from a an ancient thing that he quoted but honestly there have to be economists sitting watching what we're trying to implement through ideas not science not not studies and things like that but just because it sounds like a good idea implementing those things without actual economic principles like they have to be going crazy and I I would question as a citizen I encourage you should have the right to ask every politician where's the economic analysis on that and I promise anything where's
0: the economic analysis you guys out there
1: Yes, because if they don't have one, then they're not. They're trying to implement. It's like trying to build a micro first, right? They're trying to build. It's like trying to build a car engine that doesn't work. It doesn't even get past the floor. So we have a functioning car system. Yes, it needs updated. Yes, it needs fixed and maintenance, all that stuff. But that is a broken, socialism is a broken system and it's not going to work. It doesn't function. It's impossible. Of course, that'd be great. But honestly, the best way for everybody to get fed uh, is to have a healthy Preach, economy. Girl. Preach. So I will just say again, if, if you hear a politician or even a college professor, somebody talking about- for right, I we're going to have to
0: vote for, we're gonna have to vote for
1: Kristen. I'm
0: telling you she's going to have to just go up there and fire it up. We're going to have to get on up there. I know she's scared. She's like you know she's all scared but the thing is now she's going to have to go on into politics and go ahead and change things up. We're going to take things up. She already got her message. She don't need no college education. She already ready on the attack.
1: So, again, it comes back down to economic analysis. So if if somebody, anybody is talking about socialism, ask them where the economic analysis is, because I'm telling you there's not one. And not only that, but economists are brilliant people. They've studied hard. They've worked hard to get where they are and to disregard that science is a terrible travesty. It's ignorant. And it, it is going to leave us in a mess. And so we just have to be very careful. Of course, we want to take care of our neighbor, but don't put that responsibility on the government. It comes from love. Just like Tyrone said, there's no reason. And I honestly have done this. I live in a neighborhood. We check on each other. We don't maybe know all of our business, but I I know my neighbors and they tell me, hey, I'm leaving. Check on my um yeah check on my stuff and and i tell them and so that's beautiful and i can help my neighbors and honestly i've had them during covid like we brought each other food we shared what we needed all i know my
0: but they're at levels i tell people you know i know my neighbors but i don't know no Mm -hmm. i don't know them you know some of them you know i know you know like a like second level friendship like I talked about on one of the podcasts mm-hmm. you know them but you don't they ain't your road or die person you know like we like yeah you mm-hmm. yeah, that's a ride or die you know like bad boys you know there's a ride no that's that's the shenizzle to the fizzle
1: so that's another thing I want to talk about too is boundaries. The most intelligent. This is from Jennifer Owlett. She wrote a book called Me Myself and Why. It's interesting, kind of a sciencey book about DNA. She
0: stole my. She stole my verbiage.
1: Yeah, so it's a good book, but uh, it talks Me, about myself and I. It talks about what characteristics of ourselves are genetic and what what is actually changeable. And it came down to, and I don't mean to discredit her entire book; is worth reading. But what I got out of it was that. Uh, Um, essentially almost every part of our personality is changeable except for our temperament. So it's nothing else is genetically hard-coded except for temperament and taste. So, um, but she's, she, she explains that the most intelligent life form the lowest level intelligent life form is a nematode worm because it is the first level of life form that understands the difference between itself and its environment.
0: So you said taste and what was the other one?
1: taste and our temperament so how much energy you have that's genetic just like my kids are full of energy that's you're never going to get that out of my kids they're always going to have energy but it's good you can teach them how to harness it but um, a nematode worm is the most intelligent life form but what makes it intelligent is it knows the difference between itself and its environment and so a lot of these concepts like socialism and communism and all this big unity stuff if they're not recognizing individual boundaries to me, based on that definition of intelligence, this is not in the book. This is me now. Um, that's unintelligent. That's all. That's lower than the lowest intelligent life form of a nematode worm. Because you have to recognize individual boundaries. Those are those are human nature. And so our government has to be founded. And just funny enough, the economic system is founded on individual rights, desires, supply and demand boundaries, that kind of thing. And so. Um, I would just ask with all these beautiful ideas of unity, where's the boundaries? And if they're missing, I'm telling you that's very unintelligent. It's not functional and it has to be built on human nature and we can't deny that that exists. And so we have to base policy and everything else on who we are as humans uh, and we don't want to ruin it, but we, you can't change it. So there's no utopia here. There's just people, I, but but we can do well together within our own boundaries.
0: Well, I feel as though with the taste and the temperament I feel as though as sometimes we get older I think we actually become I I must somewhat disagree with her book conclusion on the taste and the temperaments because of the fact that I feel as though my temperament is way more emotionally in touch with spirit and soul more than when I was probably a little bit younger than Kristen. I used to kick people up out of my house unapologetically. I would call you out if you come up to my house with no food, no nothing. They didn't even bring me no liquor. They didn't even bring me no beer. They didn't bring me nothing but your belly. I used to be that person call you out. Like I'll check you at the dope. What you got? What you got? You get you. What you got, your belly? You better go back to the stove. See, I don't know about that. See, I don't do that now. I just don't let you come over. (laughs) I just don't, I don't let everybody in my house because I feel as though that my house is about love. I don't like everybody come poop in my yard, just poop in the middle of my living room with that energy. Mm -hmm. So I'm mindful of that, but my temperament is way more flexible and adaptable compared to when I was younger. I was a Hitler. Like it was going the way I put it. That was it. Whereas now it don't even really matter. I have become more enlightened in my temperament and my taste for food. I'll at least try it. Back in my younger days, my dad knew. He ain't gonna do it. I, no.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: no. I ain't gonna taste no. no. I'll yeah. try anything nowadays. And I'll try some crazy stuff nowadays. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll try it. Never know. I might like it. Mm-hmm. So I tend to disagree with that based on my personal experiences with temperament I'm way more relaxed compared to 20-something years ago versus I think I'm more Yoda concept, being patient, having those fruits of the spirit versus my impatience, it was short.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was direct. Versus now my temperament is I should listen to people talking about different things because I need to understand their perspective. I don't know what lens they have on. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they came from, but I need to sit and understand them. And that was the whole purpose of developing this podcast so mm-hmm. that people have good relationships within themselves so that they can find that beast, mm-hmm. find their gifts, find their purpose, find their voice. Not my voice, your voice. And stand up for your values Mm -hmm. and make make little changes in the world, starting yourself, starting your community. Mm -hmm. I think part of that change is part of your temperament. And a lot of times my temperament was a Hitler. No, it's going to be my way that's it there ain't no other way whereas now i know that my way is not the highway that's what that saying comes from in the military
2: mm-hmm. no it's
0: my way or the highway you 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 gonna you gonna get up out of here
1: yeah can we talk <laughs> about legitimate leadership and authority and and i used to I have a saying and I'm not sure this might sound weird or out of context, but I used to always say the truth is my commander and my conscience is my Sergeant major. Those are military ranks, but, um, but I had this Sergeant major one time back, you know, anyway, um,
0: go ahead, go ahead. Tell us your story. Don't
1: start us off. And then I'm all waiting
0: over here. I'm over here drooling. None.
1: Well, there was a saying once and, and it was, uh, we were trying to get something done and somebody said, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And then somebody else, somebody else said, no, but you can drown it. And everybody in the room thought, Oh, that's such a good story. That's awesome. And I'm thinking, no, this is not awesome. That's terrible. And I, that was my
0: thinking that was me
1: for months. I thought, why did I, I hated it. And I was trying to figure out like what I hated about it. And I had an epiphany again about two months after wrestling with this off and on. Like, why did I? That made me so mad. And it I It didn't make me
0: mad. It didn't make me mad because no. he had that emotional intelligence back there.
1: Because I realized a good leader, it you'll know how to make people thirsty. If somebody is selling the truth, and it's like then I had a, i was thinking about again, well, how do you make somebody thirsty? you drink the water, you make it, it looks good. Have you ever watched somebody drink water and it just looks delicious. And you're like, I need some water. I'm thirsty now. Like maybe you weren't before, which Tyrone is actually drinking water right now. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, and now I'm thirsty, but that's the truth is if you're, if you're peddling something, and I don't mean to use that in a, you know, a demeaning way, but if you're selling a policy, if you're talking about an idea. It should be able to by you explaining, leading by example, drinking the water, it should sell itself, just like the vaccine, not to get on off topic here, but um, it's experimental and we'll and say that for another sell, time
0: because we're gonna have to, we're gonna wrap it up here in a little while.
1: But the point being is that if if you have a good product, it's going to sell itself. Just drink it and let other people sell it for you it, you know, you don't have to force people into thinking something. And so that's just you finding your own voice, but back to boundaries, you know, uh, it, I could, I'd love to have a discussion at some later point about even national boundaries when I'm social psychology looking at, at boundaries of a person and you could talk about how many issues individual human beings have when their boundaries are violated um, and the impacts of that and the response, I see very similar circumstances In society, when our boundaries are violated as a as a group, um, we start to we also start to violate other people's boundaries. So uh, this is a sad thing, but it's it's sadly true when somebody has their boundaries violated. They very typically don't have an understanding of boundaries and they violate others boundaries. And so I just feel like there's been some boundaries that have been violated here, which is causing others to not understand what that is. Um, and then just the health of a system really requires boundaries. So even when you're talking about national identities, if we start to erase our unique individuality and you, you try to make everybody, we're all the same. We all need the same stuff. Um, we can all have, you know what I mean? That's at boundaries. It's not functional, healthy, or long-term. And then you're actually weakening the people you're weakening your nation. And so it just, some other time, I'd love to have a discussion on even national boundaries, how important it is for that individual identity and even national identity. It's functional.
0: And as we as we wrap up here and as we talked about just real talk here, I know we went on a lot of different things. But in summary, let's bring it all back home because I know people are going to have discussions out there about this because we we're just having real talk. Mm-hmm. As we bring this back into summary, tell us what is your intention for this segment. It sounds like we got I got at least five or six more segments because we we don't went to deeper level discussions. What is our intention today to regroup them back in? And let's bring it all home.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: I'll finish us out.
1: So, my, the thing, if we could take anything away from today, it's ask questions, listen to yourself. That's how you find your beast, is figure out those questions you have about a policy, about a situation with the government. Don't ignore those, ask those questions. And trust me, if you have the question, it's not a dumb question, it's intelligent. And you deserve to go find the answer to that question and ask the people making the policy because I, I'll talk about it some other time, but the people developing policies, and we did talk about it a little bit last time, if they can't answer those questions, it's probably a bad policy or it needs to be uh, beefed up a little. So your questions will help improve process and policy, but ask your questions and, and don't be afraid to do that. So just respect your own voice.
0: Good job. Respect your own voice. Become your own voice hero. Learn every day as much as you can. Remember to cherish these $84,600 or seconds you have to spend today. It's very important that we take a step back, love ourselves, love others cherish them because someday we're not going to be here find your beast live your purpose live with intentionality give your message and share it to the world again let's find your beast with ty hit us up i'll send some links of anything that you need uh, to give you that next thinking and heightened ability so that we all can start going to that critical thinking level. Things are gonna change, but only we can change them within ourselves, not in others, but within ourselves to share with the world as they see something different you never know, they might jump on the bandwagon with you. Do not af- be afraid. Don't cover up no more. Stop talking meany to yourself. No more meanie talk out there. Say something good to yourselves that you are enough. You are beautiful. You are magical. You are special. You are unique. Bring all that together treat everyone as the most important person at that moment. I know that means putting down your cell phone because I know you're in love with your cell phone. Sometimes I get in love with my cell phone too. I have to put it down. We have to take a step back and be in the present. Thanks very much. I appreciate you. Thanks again, Kristen. I know we don't went over we don't win. We're good. we will got hour and a half up in here. And we got more for you. So, again, find your beast with Ty. We look forward to hearing from you. Much love, much respect, and much value. Thanks for listening.